With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Clap, 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 clap your hands and stomp your feet. You're listening. You're listening to the Clap Your Hands Podcast. Hosted by Elliot Shore Parks and Kyle Newbeck. Here they come. While we wait for training camp and we listen to Nick Nurse's every word, the Sixers continue to play basketball. They're out in Las Vegas. They're at Summer League. Unfortunately, I was not able to watch their most recent game. I was on. I was on. Oh, Twitter. no. Oh, you couldn't watch Summer League. Oh, Trust no. me, bro. Trust me. As fun as it was saying the Eagles offense lost the Super Bowl for four hours on the air, I would have rather watched uh, Turk Smith dropping 20 points and uh, coming off the bench, potential six-man role uh, that maybe he'll have this year. But you did watch it. And Jaden Springer had another awesome game. Seemed my guy Turk killed it once again. Um, they lost. Who cares? What's your out? What were your thoughts on uh, the most recent Sixer Summer League? Uh, Springer and uh, and Turk specifically. Well, you say they lost. Who cares? I personally, I care a lot because that guarantees they will not be in the Summer League playoffs. And that uh, to me I, I want is more Summer just, League though. That to me is like having a second birthday in the middle of the summer, just like, it's like extra amazing. vacation for you. Just a, well, it's not even vacation. Cause they still have to play another game, but I know or at least I think they have to play another game. Yeah. They play today. But, I think. Well, they do play today, but I think they might have to play Sunday. The, the league is weird with it's a, they just won't be in the tournament, which means they can't go to the final and play. Like that is weird. A sixth game. Yeah. I, it's really stupid, but anyway, so I was happy about that. <laughs> I'm happy about them losing. I don't root mm-hmm. for wins and losses. In this case, I do. Two things. One, Terquavion Smith getting a technical foul for talking shit in the middle of a heater in a summer league game is maybe the most on-brand thing of the summer for him. So that was great. Wow. I am. Thank God I couldn't tweet while this was happening. I would have made some outrageous predictions. That is like an all-time I'm excited to hear that happen moment. So that was great. And then... Look, I think yesterday, so we're recording this on Friday morning. Thursday was the first time that I thought, oh, Jaden Springer looks too good for this format. Wow. Like, That's simply, good. That's certainly a change from the beginning of uh, of Summer League. He was the best player on the floor for basically the entire game, scores 29 points. There were some people when I, I praised him in my article who were like, well, he – he wasn't very good down the stretch and picked up his dribble and passed a few times he shouldn't have. And I agree with that. But the thing is, he's not going to be the point guard ever on this team. He's going to mm-hmm. be somebody who's a secondary ball handler. who's going to take open threes, attack closeouts, defend, play in transition. 
And I think the more time he's got in the summer, the better and better he's looked. And it would look, I'm not sitting here saying, yeah, that guy's definitely going to be a rotation guy. I'm still lower on him than the fan base, I think. But seeing him start to hit some shots toward the end of summer league, great sign. He continues to do the things where his drives to the basket. I still have my concerns with him as a finisher inside. But his strength is a real legitimate asset on drives, and he's picking up foul after foul after foul, like constantly getting eight to ten free throws a game mm-hmm. in summer league, which is a really good sign for a kid who he still has not even turned 21 yet. I think that's really important for us to think about that he is younger than some of the guys they which added is wild. as two way guys and. I feel like he's about to turn 21 for like the third straight pod. Like the birthday yeah. has to be coming up at some point. It's this, I believe it's the 17th. So it's All right, so three more days. Three, three days. But his full third season, he will be 21 years old for. So we, all, we talked a ton about, obviously, Maxi, far superior player and prospect to him. But a lot of the reason people are so excited about him is, oh, wow, he's doing X, Y, Z at this age. And so for Springer to be showing real growth and he's still only turning 21, that I think is a, a great, great sign. That so I think the question still have some Springer. runway with him. Yeah. And the, the youth point is, is an outstanding one with him. Uh, when I did not watch him yesterday, but the times I have watched him, I don't come away thinking he's going to be like a top eight player, nine player on a legit title team. Um, but my question for you is, as he does improve and he does look like the best player on the floor, I think the Sixers have to decide, maybe not decide, but like, how do you view Springer? Is this someone that they they should like view as a contributing player this year? Because they are a win now team. I know we talk a lot about windows and wanting to think about the next one while keeping this one open. Or is Springer just an asset at this point? Like if if he's killing it in summer league and dropping 29 points and looking like the best player on the floor, like do they capitalize? on a time where there's so much trade uh, trade up in the air with Levine and the Harden thing. And of course, Dame and all that, like, do you think Springer in your eyes is a player they can count on or a player they should be excited about or an asset, or is he some combination of both? I'm just going to say, I don't think he's really either at this point. I think the summer league stuff is all well and good. He's not going to have real value beyond, Oh, he's a, like a throw in guy. And maybe Mm. you could sell some team on his upside unless he proves it in the NBA, right? Like there've been a lot of guys who have good runs in summer league and then stink it up against real competition. So he's got to prove that to some extent. He did look good at the end of the regular season of meaningless games last year was the G league finals MVP. All love it. These are all look, none of these things are that important, but they're better than him not having yeah. good games in the NBA. It's better than not being the G League Finals MVP. Better than him looking like shit to start Summer League mm-hmm. in some respects. So all these things are, are positive signposts. The, the thing is going to be when he's a regular NBA rotation player, can he make an impact on the floor? That's all that matters because until then, he's just a lottery ticket, both to the Sixers and to a team acquiring him. If he puts together maybe like a month of solid basketball, that changes a lot of things. You can go to a team and say, look, this is a real value add in this trade package. We don't have to give up, you know, this pick, this other guy. 
we're drawing the line because we're offering you Jaden Springer. That's the type of approach they can take if he's able to show consistent NBA results. Now, can he get there? I don't know because I still don't necessarily trust the jumper. I, I think he's had a couple of good games, but it's easy to get caught up in that and ignore, you know, he shot pretty poorly to open the summer league. So yeah. it's going to be all about how consistent can he be with the jumper? Cause once teams have to respect him, I think everything else that he can do is so much easier to do for him. Like he's not going to have to labor as hard when he's got to try to drive through guys who are already sagging off of him. And he's that we talked about the two footed leaping thing. Mm-hmm. If they can sit back and just wait for him at the rim, essentially, he's screwed. He's not going to be able to finish or draw fouls at a at a rate that will help him be an NBA player. But if he can bring that guy out to him where he can just go by a closeout, that's the difference between him being a real NBA player and a guy who's probably a, a quad A guy who's too good for the G League but not good enough for an NBA rotation. Well, went two for five uh, from three last game. So, yep. you know, the Sixers will will, will take that. Um, Turk, let's talk about him. Outside of his what sounds like the ultimate franchise swag moment, getting a uh, tech for being amazing. In the smallest league. guy, the skinniest guy on the floor flexing at somebody through a lineup. That's why he got Love a it. tech, by the way. Love it. What else did you see from him? Didn't start, which I thought was interesting. I did see that. Came off the bench, still played a ton of minutes. I think he was over 20 minutes or around there. Uh, why didn't he start number one? And then what'd you see from him? I think it's probably just wanting to give other guys looks that they're maybe less certain on, I would say, because Turk mm-hmm. at this point has clearly proved. built for the summer league setting. Yeah. I think there is a, a degree of overreacting to him because guys like him look a lot better in summer league than in some other settings. Now, that being said, I think he's shown Plenty of on-ball juice. I think off-ball, he's obviously, like, as a catch-and-shoot guy, the range that he has, the clean mechanics, the quick release, the confidence, all that. The willingness, yeah. He's going to be fine. as a Even if he doesn't shoot well right away, he's somebody that you keep as a long-term bet, that as an Isaiah Joe type guy, that eventually that guy is going to shoot. And, you know, maybe they wouldn't even have him on a two-way if it wasn't for Isaiah Joe being cut last year. That'd probably yes. be a different story. But there, the thing I don't get are all the people who are like, they need to guarantee him a roster spot. Do people understand he's already on a two-way contract, right? Yeah, like, so expl- explain that to me because I, I <laughs> don't fully understand it. So I think of it a little bit, almost like in a practice squad NFL way, where the Eagles can have somebody on a practice squad. They're on the roster. They own their rights. But a team, another team can sign that player away. Are you saying, and you can just explain it, like no one can take Turk from the Sixers? Not at the moment, no. I mean, but it, when he's on a two way, I'm saying. Yes, he's okay. signed to a two way contract. If he was just strictly like a G League guy, it'd be different. But he, there's, you can't just, you can actually trade two way contracts and trades. It doesn't really happen. So what's the difference just, between him being a two way guy and just having a roster spot outside of probably financial security? Well, yeah, I was going to say there's guaranteed money involved with the salary cap right. and things of that nature. So two way contracts exist essentially to give more opportunities to up and coming players. It was partially 
I don't remember if it was pre-COVID that, that it was implemented, but two-way deals were expanded as a result of COVID. They allow guys mm-hmm. to be on the roster for or on the NBA roster for longer. They could they had more days that they could use. Yeah. Now this is another annoying new CBA thing that I am blanking on the exact terms right now, but they changed how the days are applied or how many days you can use. I believe it used to be. So I'm making up the numbers here, but it used to be something like you sign a guy to a two-way contract. He has, let's call it 60 days. He can be with the NBA team. Now this is not, he plays in 60 games. This is if he was at a practice on a Tuesday in January, that that is one of his 60 days. If he's with the NBA team Mm -hmm. in an official capacity for that day, he is that's one of his days and that's how you sort you run once you run up the 60 days you either have to sign that guy to a standard nba contract or they can only be used in the g league and so that would be the difference if you really think that terquavion smith is going to be a regular rotation guy essentially right away you want to try to get him lined up on a contract sooner than later because then you're not worrying about uh, his limitation with days and that sort of thing. But that's also a problem that's not going to really matter until the middle of the regular season. Yeah. So the then you could argue the only reason to lock him into an NBA guaranteed contract and more likely like a guaranteed year and then some non-guaranteed mm-hmm. years after that is that you think he's going to be so good that his play whenever he's with the big club is going to cause somebody to offer him a real deal next offseason that will be more expensive than what you could get him for at like this very moment. To me, that's not that compelling because I think if Turk comes out and plays in preseason and shoots the lights out and then plays well in like mid-October, or early November, the Sixers could then say, yeah, we're just going to sign him to a real deal. They could do what they did last season leave a roster spot open for flexibility or whatever, and then convert him to a standard deal. I think that's easy enough. So I don't think they need to rush to get him off of a two-way contract. Just yeah. So I am one, I'm like a huge Turk guy to me. And that's all good information. This seems like worrying about nothing. Like they have yeah. tons of options with this guy. They have the full 60 days. They can add him at whatever point. Like if Turk is good and it can help the NBA roster, he will be on there eventually. I'm even okay waiting the 60 days and doing it on day 59. Like there's no reason to to rush this, but that is good information. So I teased a soccer question and this is where, where it comes in. I thought of this yesterday or a few days ago, and I think it's a brilliant idea and I'm curious if, if you like it. So Turk, I think he's somebody that because of where he is at right now with the Sixers, he's not going to get a ton of minutes this season. Even if he's impressive, even if all these things, he's maxing out at eight, nine, 10 minutes a game. And that's probably a best case scenario for him. I remember when the Sixers were in the process, Sam Hinkie talked about the most valuable thing for a young player that is the hardest to get for them is minutes. And that was the benefit of what the Sixers did. They played a lot of players that wouldn't play on other teams, a lot of minutes and guys developed Covington grant. Like those guys got a ton of minutes that they wouldn't have otherwise. And because of that, they were, they were better players later on. Didn't benefit the Sixers, but better players later on. So you're a soccer fan. I'm a soccer fan. 
for those listening, what soccer does is they do a loan system where if let's say I'll use, I'll use the Sixers here. The Sixers have Turk Smith. What they do in soccer is you can loan him out to another team. He plays for that team. He wears their Jersey. He, he gets minutes with them, but the team still owns their right. And then he can come back in a year. Why wouldn't the NBA do this? Like, why, like, do you think a loan system in like they do in soccer would work in the NBA where Turk Smith, he goes and plays for pick whatever terrible team you want to pick Charlotte, like one of those teams that is not going to be competitive, but they get a better player. They get somebody that will make them in theory, more competitive. Turk is maybe not the best example because you don't know what he's going to be. The Sixers get a ton of minutes for Turk. Charlotte gets a player they don't have otherwise that might help them be more competitive. And then in a year or whatever the loan, the term of the loan is, the Sixers can take him back if they want. They get a more developed player. They get a player that's played a lot. It really does work in soccer. Like you see it. Now, a lot of times guys stay with that team and that would have to be figured out. But do you think a loan system like they use in soccer would be beneficial and work in the NBA? It could. I think the argument would be that they would rather – just put a guy on their G League team and have them. But that's not the same type of competition. It's not the same type of competition, but also they're playing a lot more than they would for, you know, in Turk's case, if he goes to Charlotte, there's no guarantee he plays at all. And that, like, that's one of the pitfalls of the loan system in, you know, EPL, La Liga, et cetera, is that you can send a guy to a place with the idea in mind, like, Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, he's going to develop here. And oftentimes that doesn't actually happen because once he's out of your immediate purview, you are, it's out of your hands at that point. Right, You You can't can't go to the the manager of the team and say, yo, what the fuck, man? You got to play this guy more. Once the terms are signed and they say, yeah, we'll pay his salary for Mm -hmm. the season, they get to decide whatever they want to do with him. They also, the other side of it is, there are injury things that can pop up from that. Like some teams will run guys into the ground knowing, Hey, that guy's on loan. We don't care if he has to play 40 minutes a game or in soccer, it'd be like plays the full 90 for 30 straight games or whatever, rather than just, you know, we're going to be a little restrained with this guy. And Oh, Mm -hmm. he's got a, he's got a little injury issue. We're going to hold him back. We're not going to subject him to, a strenuous workload. So the the incentives are weird there too, where they just want to get the best they can get out of him for that season rather than what's best for him in the long term. And then the other part of that sort of connected to that is that maybe they want him to play a different role than he's playing in or for the Sixers, we would say in this example. Like maybe he goes, let's say Turk. Turk goes to the Charlotte Hornets, as you mentioned, a team like that. And you say, well, he's going to, be a point more of a point guard here rather than an off guard. Well, then maybe he could develop things that he needs to for the Sixers, but then he's could stagnate as an off ball guy with movement and the type of things he needed to do might not be working on the right things. He could be developing bad habits on a younger team. Like it's the problem with it, with implementing it in the NBA is that there's no inherent structure to this and Teams are not designed in this way to be like loan friendly teams. Right. It over the long term, I think you could make it work because there would be teams that fashion themselves as we're a development type team and we're a 
a team that will take chances on loan guys and cast offs and what have you. And there are clubs like they're, I think Dortmund is probably the best example of a team that buys team buys players early when they're 15, 16, 17. Yeah. And then flip and they give them tons of time and that's the trade off. They then sell those guys for, you know, tens of millions of pounds or euros or however you want to, just say dollars since this right. is a two American guys talking podcast. And over time you could create more infrastructure like that where, yeah, we know we're sending this guy to like the version of the Spurs. That's just not trying to compete for a title. But I don't, I also don't think American sports teams are wired in a way where they say, we're just going to be a developmental club. We don't care or don't have aspirations to compete for a title. I don't think you can sell that to, the fan bases, regardless of where you are. And that well, makes and I it think, tougher too. And I think too, like what you see in soccer is a team in the top division will loan a player to a team in a lower division where the, where that team then benefits from having a player they wouldn't have otherwise. It helps them win, potentially helps them get promoted. And so they have incentive to play them. Now to your point, minutes, injuries, those are all things they have to think of. I'd be curious to see how fans would react to it. Like American fans aren't, aren't built like this they weren't they're not conditioned to it it's it's how things work overseas like imagine a world where the sixers lend turk to the celtics just as an example and then in the playoffs and i know you can't play against your loan team whatever but let's just say turk then you know drops 12 points off the bench and the, the celtics beat the sixers like i also wonder how fans would react to this idea of a player they like a player they want to watch develop like then playing well against them or rooting for them and a lot of times people want to stay with where they got loans. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how American fans would react to it. The other thing related to that that I was actually thinking about this week, why do soccer teams in Europe, but I guess just everywhere outside of America, frame someone's salary as per week rather than a year? Dude, I, and well, they call them wages, which is also interesting. But, like, I, I think it's so weird. Like, in America, it'll be – Harden makes $36 million a year in, in overseas, like in the EPL. And I'm assuming they do this in La Liga and league one and all that. Like, yeah, it's like he makes $800,000 a week. I've, I have no idea why. Like, do well, they so here I'm weekly. I'm, let's do this. Let's do this right now. I'm going to, we'll, we'll do the conversion. So God, I hope this isn't math. Like how much like no, figuring so out per week over Tobias Harris this season is making 39 million. $270,150. I was going to put this in a calculator, but that was too specific. No, so all you have to do is divide it by 52 weeks. Right. So that means he will make roughly $755,000 a week. (laughs) (laughs) It's almost more absurd when you put it in those terms. Now, again, that's pre-tax and all that. So that's not the actual. Well, what do you think would piss fans off more? Phrasing it like that or phrasing it how we phrase it now? Because people also do the thing where it's like, you know, James Harden makes X amount of X amount of dollars every time, every second he's on the court or whatever it is. Like they do that to prove a point. What would piss fans off more? Hearing Tobias make 700,000 a week or hearing he makes whatever it is per, uh, per year. That's a good question. Oh, actually, I think so the per week thing would feel like an extra little stab, like an extra little twist. Do you want to know how much Nikola Jokic makes a week? Now God, my God, no. He probably calls it wages too. But go ahead. He, he makes over a million dollars a week. 
Well, did you see he got the SB NBA Player of the Year? Yeah, he deserved it. Like, I guess you're still guess. on this anti Jokic crusade. I'm fine man. with That's... him getting it. I'm fine with him getting it in that. Instance you're you're because... dead along with the dinosaurs, man. Yeah, it's... I'm 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 holding out on that. Here's the thing about a take. Eventually, it's always right. I just gotta hold on until next year when he gets bounced in the second round, and I can uh, I can take the victory lap. So, anyway. I think a loan system would be kind of interesting and cool. Like, it would also mean, hey, I'm watching a Charlotte game on a Tuesday because I want to see how Turks do it. Like, I think there would be some cross-population in terms of growing, uh, you know, growing the audience for... for You're not getting me to watch the Hornets for Turks. Uh, I'll, I'll get a, I'll get a, a Charlotte Turk jersey if I have to. <laughs> but 